شماوة وورا وروخ خدش العلمين بارخ مار آوند وشمية نثق الداش ماخ تيثي ملكوثاخ نهوي صوياناخ اي كند وشمية ابقرعم هولان لخمة سنقان اليومانة وشوقلن خوبين اي كنا ذابخنان شواق الخياوين ولا تعلن نسيونا الا فصا من بيشة مطو ذي لاخي ملكوثا وخيلا وتجبخت العالم علمين آمين من دي قاما يا رمشوخ طاوم قابول كل اخن مغبي راب بشينا قخايل فانم شيخايا خينا قدوى امرا بريخ القديشة دماري وخنن معمدانا اخنواتا قاثوا لقايم وقبرسوب خاتتين عمن ابتايا قها قامتا بمارخ شينا تنتيا قبارد اينن وبخيالت على هماشا اويتم بتايا قخقرا وإقارة ادملك ادملك ومارد مروات ايشو عمشيخ فرصوفة خاتتين عمن قها قاميتا اتلم فرصوفة خاتة مرمي ايدي انزهمت لأويا قها قاميتا شان تنتيه كل اخن قبارد اينم In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit one God Amen My name is Bishop Murray and I'd like to welcome you all for this Bible preach at this holy church of our Lord Jesus Christ, named after John the Baptist, for our beloved Catholic Church. For all the new faces that are here with us for the first time, a very warm welcome. I am absolutely honored, blessed, and privileged uh, to be with you for this evening and share with you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, the word of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is the word that gives life and revives all that are distant from God. Okay, my beloveds, tonight we'll talk about saints because in the old calendar, uh, today uh, we commemorated uh, the uh, feast of St. George, the martyr, which was uh, born in the third century, and he was martyred in the third century uh, he was obviously, he died for the Lord Jesus, and he never let go of Christ, no matter how much he was persecuted and how much suffering he received, but he stayed very firm and solid in his faith. So we're going to talk about saints, my beloveds. Well, first of all, when we talk about saints, some people think uh, a person to become a saint is a person that does miracles. If somebody heals the sick, raises the dead, and does wonders, we call that person as a, a saint. For us, a saint is someone who is very close to Jesus Christ. And we have so many different ideas, perspectives, of what really makes a person a saint. But a lot of us, we believe or we link miracles to someone who is a saint. But really, a saint is a person who lives for Jesus and Jesus only. It has got nothing to do with miracles. A saint is a person who gives his entire life, which is through the grace of our Lord Jesus, because you cannot give your life for God unless Jesus gives you that grace and that gift. But it is a full dedication of one's life to Christ, that is holiness in its own. So who is a saint? A saint is a person who lives for Jesus. 
there are four levels to get to perfection. Or, if I may say, there are four levels to get to God. The first level, which is the start, is a level of repentance. The second level is a level of righteousness. The third level is a level of holiness. We're talking about tonight, saints, holiness. And the fourth level is the level of perfection. In the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, 48, the last verse in Matthew 5, 48, the Lord Jesus says, Be perfect like your heavenly Father who is perfect. So what really requires from us to be with God? Perfection. Holiness, saintlyhood, is the third level in this ladder, if I may call it. However, my beloveds, we live all our life, whether it's short or long, and we never pass the first stage, which is repentance. We make mistakes, we ask for forgiveness, and then we come back and make mistakes and we ask for forgiveness, and we live this life of repentance throughout this journey in this world. But really, we need to step up the ladder to reach the third one, which is holiness, saintlyhood. Now, for a saint or a holy man of God, in Greek, and I can see there is a person here who is of Greek background, and if he can correct me if I'm pronouncing it wrong, there is a word in Greek, um, is, um, the word is agios. I hope I'm pronouncing it correct. Now, agios is two words in one. Agios is two words in one. Agi means not, yos, earthly. So agi means not, yos means earthly. Agios is a word referred to someone who is holy. So the word holy in Greek is not earthly. So if we want to know who is a holy person, who is a saint, a saint or a holy person is a person who is not earthly. What do we mean by not earthly? We all live on earth. Yes, we walk on earth, but a saint walks on earth but lives with Christ. That is agios. That is a person who I can really say is a holy man of God. As a person who walks on this planet, goes and comes, but his deeds, his actions, his, his talk, his behavioral pattern is of heavenly stature. Someone went into the desert in Egypt, the holy land of Egypt, and he saw these monks living in the desert. And he looked at them and he said, I can see men living like angels and angels walking on earth. I can see people living like angels, and I can see angels living on earth, because their life was all dedicated to prayers, fasting, and everything was given to Jesus Christ. This is an angelic life. This is a, a heavenly, divine life. Saint George who was martyred in the third century. And the third century, my beloved, 
or I can say the second and the middle of the third century, these two centuries were of great persecutions against Christianity. At the time, the Roman Empire was ruling. And the Roman Empire, through Neron and other emperors, they were of a pagan background, and whoever spoke about Jesus, whoever spoke about Christianity, they were either curled or persecuted, thrown into prison. All sort of punishments were brought upon those people who preached or talked about Jesus Christ or confessed this faith. So St. George was in the third century. The second and the third century is the time of great persecutions against Christianity. And if we go back to the book of Revelation, book of Revelation chapter 2 and 3 talks about the seven churches of Asia Minor. The seven churches in chapter 2 and 3, the second church, the second church in, the, in chapter 2 of the book of Revelation talks about the church of Smyrna. Now, all the names of the churches are in Greek. Smyrna, which is the second church, means the bitter one. Bitter. Something that tastes very bitter. And why did the Bible call it Smyrna or the bitter one? Because this church lived the time in the second and the third century where persecutions were brought upon all Christians. It was extremely bitter time, killing, slaying people, and hurting them so badly. But you know what? Human nature, human nature comes up with its best in hard times, not in good times. Because after the third century, it was Pergamos. And Pergamos, when the Roman Empire became Christian, and the church and the government became one, and there was peace all of a sudden, Christianity was at peace and at ease, and Pergamos, it was the time of heresies and divisions in the church. You know what? It's funny when we, when our life all of a sudden is at ease and everything is good and everything is okay and everything is, is available, we are in good health and in good shape, we tend to walk away from God. And even if we don't walk away from Him, our faith becomes very shallow from the surface. When we pray, we really don't mean it from the depth. We just say some, you know, tongue language. We don't mean it from the heart. Because the moment we are at ease, the moment we are healthy and wealthy, we search after the pleasures and the treasures of this world. We don't want to be close to God. We want to party on. We want to travel. We want to dress up and put on makeup for hours on end. And I want to look good, and I want to look beautiful, and I want to have fun, and this is what life is all about. But the moment I am persecuted, and what I mean by persecuted, the moment I go through some hard times, difficult times, some dark moments in my life, I walk through the narrow door, as the, as the Lord Jesus said, walk through the narrow door. The moment I do that, all of a sudden, I start recalculating my life and my position in this life. 
and I start searching for Jesus, and I start searching for every saint under the sun so they can intercede for my well-being. And I'll go and visit all the churches and pray earnestly and from the depths of my heart with tears coming down from my eyes because I am in pain, I am in sorrow, I am heavy burdened. But why don't you do that when you are in, in good shape and happy and healthy? It is the human weak nature that the moment you make yourself comfortable, you lose track of God. My beloveds, as the biography of St. George talks, that he was, he was killed four times, but Jesus raised him again. And if somebody says, well, that is impossible, well, there is nothing impossible to God. Because the moment you say it's impossible, then God is not the Almighty any longer. So he was, he was killed four times and he was raised by the Lord Jesus. Just to teach the people around him and of his time that there is only one true divine God, there is only one living God, and that is Jesus Christ of Nazareth, and you people need to come back to him because without him there is no life. Without him there is no existence. But you see, it takes a great deal of an effort. It takes a great deal of an effort for someone to give his life for Christ. It's not easy. That is why the Lord Jesus said, walk through the narrow door. Do not go through the wide gate. Because the wide gate... A lot of people find it and they walk through the wide gate and that path of that gate leads into destruction. But walk through the narrow door, only few people, few people find that narrow door, but that narrow path leads you into life. And that narrow door is Christ Himself. That narrow door is the cross, is the Holy Cross. That narrow door is the Holy Cross. If someone asks, why would the Lord Jesus invite us all to walk through narrow door? Narrow door means there is some hardships. I walk through the narrow door, it's very hard for me to do that. But it's a lot easier and more comfortable to walk through the wider gate. Why is Jesus inviting me to walk through pain? But he says, on the other hand, I love you. I created you on the basis of love. And I died because I love you. Then if you love me, Jesus, why are you inviting me to pain? Why don't you, aren't you going to be happy when I walk through the wider gate and be more comfortable and at ease? We have a saying in our language, Assyrian. Listen to this. I'll try and translate it as much as I can. We have a saying in Assyrian says, go, Do not go to the one who makes you laugh, but go to the one who makes you cry. Do not go to the one who makes you laugh, but go to the one who makes you cry, because the one who makes you cry is the one who really loves you. But the one who makes you laugh doesn't care what's going to happen to you. He's just plodding along. And he's saying yes to whatever you say and whatever you do. For example, friends are the best people to laugh in your face all the time. So you say, I'm going clubbing. They'll say, 100% you're right. You'll say, I'm not going to listen to my parents anymore. They'll say, yes, this is Australian. It's a free country. Give me high five, brother. 
You say, I'll do whatever I want. You say, he'll say to you or she'll say to you, this is what life is all about. We are free individuals. We do what we want. And you know what? It's a free country. So let's enjoy it. People like that, extreme danger. But go to the one who says, no, don't do this, don't do that, don't go, don't mix, don't be late, come here, don't talk. But we tend to do the opposite. We don't like those people who tell us no, and we like the people who tell us yes. But why is the Lord Jesus inviting us to come through the narrow gate? Have you thought about it? The wider gate. Listen to this. The wider gate, the Lord says, a lot of people go through it because it's wide, obviously. Imagine you are walking through the wider gate and there is a multitude of people walking with you at the same time. And everybody is talking around you and to you. The Lord Jesus is calling you. Are you going to hear his voice? Not because you are so preoccupied with what is going around you and all the noise that is happening around you, you're not going to have the time, the chance to hear the voice of the only true friend, Jesus. Because when everybody's talking, you're not going to hear his voice. When you are on the phone talking to someone and another person tries to call you, they will see an engaged signal. They can't get through to you. But when your line is free, the person that wants to talk to you will get through. When you are engaged with other people, Jesus is trying to communicate with you, the line is busy. You are too busy for him because you are walking with multitude of people. It's a wider gate. You are busy with people. You are so preoccupied with this one says this, and this one is dressing like this, and this one is drinking, and this one is eating, and this one is dancing, and this one is doing. You are so busy with life and what it brings along, when are you going to have the time to have an ear open to Christ? You won't. That's one. You're too busy for Him. And the noise is too high. You're not going to hear Him. And then you come back and say, I've been calling Him, but He's not listening to me. Hang on a sec. He's been calling you, but you have not been listening to Him. It's the other way around. He's been calling, but you've been too busy. Because you're walking through the wide gate. That's one. Two. When you walk through the wide gate, whatever you are carrying with you, you will, be, you will take it with you so easily. Because it's so wide. So if you're carrying luggages, heavy burdens, your past, whatever you carry from the past, all the things that you have done, and all the things that you remember of the past, those heavy burdens, those huge luggages, you will take them with you, Habibi. So you're walking through the wider gate. Whatever you carry goes with you. Thirdly, the wider gate only shows you the good side, not every side. The wider gate, I'll put it in this, it is a tour. You are on a tour, my beloved. Imagine people coming on a tour to Sydney. Do you think they're going to take him to the slump and the dump places of Sydney? They're going to take him to show him the Harbour Bridge. They're going to show him the Sydney Tower and the Opera House and all the beautiful sights. But what about those little alleys and little corners where people are sleeping in the streets? Streets, people living in the street, street beggars. 
Are they going to show you that when you are on a tour in Sydney? Of course not. And when you come and see all these beautiful places in Sydney, you're going to say, you know what? If there is any city in the world that I wish to live in, it would be Sydney. But my sweetie, they are deceiving you because they have not shown you the other side of Sydney to make the, per the perfect and complete judgment. Because the wider gate only shows you the beautiful things. Only makes you hear the nice things. The wider gate does not show you people who are sick in, in hospitals. The wider gate does not show you people who are hungry in Africa and other places of the world. The wider gate does not show you people who are lost. The wider gate shows you all the people who are healthy, rich, beautiful lifestyle. Enjoy life. So when you go out and enjoy life to the fullest, rest assured you are carrying all your heavy burdens with you because the gate lets you. So for those people who think that I am so stressed, you know what, I just want to cool down a bit. I just want to forget about my problems. I just want to relax a bit. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to Star City Casino to let go of my issues. I'm going clubbing downtown to let go of my issues. There is too much problems. I'm running away. But what are you doing? You're entering the wide gate. You're taking your heavy burdens with you. And when you're coming back from those places, if you had one luggage, now you have 10 luggages brought back home. If there is an illness, it needs to be cured. And the cure is only with Jesus of Nazareth. No one else. That's the truth. You want to accept it or not, it's up to you. But that's the truth. And that will never change regardless how you accept it or perceive it. The truth always remains the truth. But come through the narrow door. See, Jesus is not harsh. He died for us. Do you think he's going to do something to hurt us? Impossible. He accepted the afflictions upon himself so that we are free and comfortable. So whatever he says to us, it is out of goodness because Jesus is good and because God is good, therefore Jesus is God, who is good. And nothing comes out of God but good. So he invites us through the narrow door. Well, let's look at the narrow door. When you come to walk through it, it only fits you. So whatever you're carrying with you, you have to let go because you can't take them with you. So all the heavy burdens that you have, you have to drop them in order for you to walk through the narrow door because you cannot carry everything and walk. It's only enough size for you, enough space for you. So Jesus says, come through the narrow door, and my narrow door is the cross. Come to my cross, because when you come to my cross, my cross will let you drop every luggage that you carry, every heavy burden that you carry. And when you drop your luggages, you feel at peace and at ease. And when you walk through the narrow door, you walk by yourself only. And when you walk by yourself only, guess what? You won't hear no one's voice but Jesus. Because there is no one else walking with you except Him. And that's what He's inviting you. He wants you to be with Him. But human nature, why, why we don't like it when we feel we are alone? And you know what? It's only a deception when you say, I'm alone, I'm lonely, there is no one with me, 
believe me, it is only a deception, nothing else, because you are never alone. If God is with you, how can you say you're alone? How can you? But why we feel kind of uncomfortable with it? I'll give you an example. Imagine one day you want to go by train to another, another place, and it's the first time you're going. So when you get to the station, you look, you're not too sure. So you'll ask someone there at the station, you'll say, do you know if this next coming train is going to take me to wherever I'm heading? Maybe that person is going to say to you, I'm not 100% sure, but maybe it will get you to your destination. That maybe of that person was enough assurance for me to be comfortable enough to get onto that train with that person, yet I am not 100% sure whether this train is going to get me to where I want to go or not. But because this person says it, put, uh, that put me at ease, I felt that there is someone with me. Even though they're weak, they don't know 100% what's happening, they're not sure, but at least there is someone with me because when I'm alone, I'm scared. When I'm alone, I'm scared. The Lord Jesus says a verse in the Bible so beautiful. Of course, all the verses are beautiful, but this is one of, one of the beautiful verses. The sons of this generation are wiser than the sons of the light. And when he means the light, meaning himself. So are the sons of the light Christians. Who are the sons of this generation? The rest of the world. What does the Lord mean? The sons of this generation are wiser or smarter than the sons of the light. The sons, the people of this generation. Imagine, imagine you go to, um, to a banquet there's some sort of a dinner or whatever it is. And there are some people there. And, and after a little while, you start mixing with those people and talking. And then you come across a person. You start chatting to that person. And all of a sudden, this person happens to be, he's dressed up civil. He happens to be um, holding a high rank in the police force. And then after a little while, you become friends. And that person whom you know that... He holds a high place in the police force. He gives you his business card. What are you going to do to that business card? You're going to keep it. You're going to protect it. You're going to sleep on it to make sure nobody steals it away from you because you know if one day I get pulled over and they charge me and find me, I can call my dear friend who has a very high rank in the police force and he can wipe away my fine. So, you're going to protect this card because you know this person can help you. You're not alone. I've got someone that can help me. And the light of the world has given you his business card to you. The Bible is his business card. And what do you do with it? I'll tell you what you do with it. It's like that story. You probably heard it from me before. A priest went to, this, to visit this house. And he's sitting with this man, and he's talking to him. And then all of a sudden he says, Father, you know what? Your visit today to our house was a big blessing. You know why, Father? He said, why, my son? He said, because I have been looking and searching for my glasses for the last two years. And guess what? Today I found them inside the Bible. So what does that mean? He has not opened the Bible for the last two years. So someone's business card, you think it's so precious and you worry and care about it, yet 
This priceless business card, the Holy Bible, is thrown away and there is a lot of dust accumulated on top of it. And you say, well, this man can help me, but God cannot. That's why you always feel you are alone. Because people cannot help you. It's only God. People cannot be with you 24 hours except God. People cannot understand you completely except God. People cannot raise you from the dead except God. So why are you ignoring his business card and searching for people's business cards? The sons of this generation are smarter than the sons of the light. We have Christ, yet we worry. Oh, I don't know what's going to happen to me. I think I'm going to die. That's it. It's the end of me. It's no good. The doctor said, you don't have a chance. You can go and, go and say goodbye to the family because you're going to die tomorrow. Get a life. I don't listen to no one but Jesus. And if the doctor says to me, I'm going to die, guess what, doctor? I'm not going to die because I believe in the living Messiah. There is no death. Walk through the narrow door because you're going to let go of your luggages, your heavy burdens. When you come to the cross, which is the narrow door, all your heavy burdens are gone. Jesus will wipe them away because his, his precious blood was shed on that cross. He will wipe them away. Walk alone. Walking alone, I can put it in another perspective, being different to others. Be different. You know, when you walk through the wider gate, you are walking just like other people do. You are going with the flow, as they say. Go with the flow, brother. So the way they dress up, you're going to dress up like them. The way they talk, you're going to talk like them. The way they behave, you're going to behave like them. Because you don't want to look odd. But there is nothing wrong with being odd. Because Jesus was odd in his community and in his people. Doesn't matter if they don't like you. Doesn't matter if they ridicule you or make fun of you. You did not come here to, uh, to, uh, to receive respect from people. You came here to do and fulfill the will of your heavenly Father who created you in his love. I'm not here to please people. I'm here to please my Jesus. So even if it means that people hate me, people make fun of me, who cares with respect and love, of course. You don't understand I'm going to pray for you so that Jesus opens your eyes so you can see the truth, the way, and the life. Walking through the narrow door is being indifferent to others. Make a difference. How are you going to make people see Christ in you unless you are different to the rest of the world? If you're going to imitate the world, then how are people going to see Christ in you? But when they see you are walking, talking, behaving differently to them, they're going to start questioning themselves and say, why is this person different? And then you'll come and say, because Jesus told me to do this. Walking through the narrow door is being different to others. St. George walked through the narrow door. He was made fun of. He was ridiculed. He was persecuted. He was chopped and killed. But guess what? Do we care about whoever the emperor was of his time? No. Do we know what other people were around, around in his time? No. But 1,700 or more past, St. George is still going full steam ahead. And churches throughout the world are built in his name. He lives because he is the son of the living Messiah. Do not imitate what people do.
And do not envy what people do. And do not be jealous of what people do. Look at Jesus. I always say this. It's for me before it's for you. The epistle of Romans, chapter 12, verse 1. Romans 12, 1, St. Paul says, My brothers or my brethren, offer your body as a living sacrifice acceptable to God. Offer your body as a living sacrifice acceptable to God. Linguistically speaking, in a, gramma, in a grammar way, there is something wrong with this sentence or with this verse. Because there, there is no such thing as a living sacrifice. A sacrifice means I slain something, I kill something. And when you kill that animal or whatever it is, when you're killing it, it cannot be alive anymore. So a sacrifice is something that is dead. It cannot be a living sacrifice. But St. Paul says, I'm talking right. I'm not wrong. I say, offer your body as a living sacrifice acceptable to God. What does he mean? He says, sacrifice dead. Be dead to the world and be living to Christ. Let your ear be shut to what people say and let your ear be open to what Jesus says. Let your eye be closed to what people do and let your eyes be open to what Jesus has done for you. Be dead to the world and living to cry for Christ. I'll leave you with this. On a human level, if anybody asks you, what is the greatest miracle anyone could ever do? Majority might say, raising the dead. I'll say no. Even though it's, it's a huge miracle, you know, it's a huge miracle to raise someone who's dead, but it's not. There's something much greater than that. The greatest miracle any one of us can do for God is to bring a lost soul back to Jesus. This is the greatest miracle. Because Jesus may give me the gift to raise the dead, but that dead that is risen will die again. And he might die in sin and be lost forever. But what is true resurrection? When a person that is lost finds Jesus. That's true resurrection. Search for the lost sheep. Don't follow the lost sheep, but search for the lost sheep and bring him back to Jesus. It's amazing. It's amazing how God operates. I'm not going to say he operates 90% different to how we think. I'll say 100% different to how we think. Christianity, I'll put it in this equation. And I'll leave you with this 100%. I'll put it in this equation. Christianity is two parallel lines. For every theology, there is stavrology. Stavros means cross in Greek. For every theology, there is stavrology. And for every orthodoxy, there is paradoxy. For every theology, there is stavrology. For every divine knowledge, there is the cross. And for every orthodoxy, faith in a straight line, there is paradoxy, parallel line to it, can never meet. 
And when I say orthodoxy, I don't mean orthodox people. I mean you can be Catholic orthodox, you can be orthodox orthodox, and you can be orthodox but not orthodox. It depends on how you believe in Christ. Orthodoxy has got nothing to do with the orthodox faith. It's got to do with believing in Christ in a straight line, straight to the heart. Not going around the bush, right? Sneaky, not sneaky way, straight. So for every theology, there is stavrology, cross. And for every orthodoxy, there is paradoxy. A paradoxy means there is a parallel line that will never meet but will always go with you along. What do I mean by that? Light and darkness. Isn't that parallel line? Can never meet? Can light mix with darkness? Never. But they walk hand in hand. Death and life they walk hand in hand, but they can never meet. God, through His wisdom, divine wisdom, decided to give us life through death. That's weird, you know. And I'm going to question Him for eternities. Hopefully I'll make it. I'm going to question Him for eternities to come. But why are you making it complicated? Well, probably a simple answer for my simple intellectual understanding. He's going to say, well, you know what? I'm a complex God. Do you think I'm going to do things easy? Of course not. I am infinite. So when I do things, they are infinite, and they are weird, and they are deep, and they are high, and they are so wide. I make you lose and spin. Because if I cannot spin you, I am not God anymore. If I do it easy, you're going to say, what kind of God is that? You'll start complaining. But when you see power, you're going to say, now that's a God. God decided to give us life, eternal life, through death only. There is no other way to enter eternal life without death. Forget it. That's why Jesus died. You know, if you say to someone who does not believe in God, I worship someone nailed on the cross, he's going to say, you are out of your mind. Because only sick people and, and, and insane people will worship someone like that. How can you worship someone dead on the cross? But through his death was the only gateway to eternal life. That's God's wisdom. And that's God's power. It was the complete obedience of Jesus Christ to his heavenly Father that made divine love bring out of death eternal life. It was the complete obedience of Jesus Christ to his heavenly Daddy that made divine love bring out of death eternal life. Christianity, every knowledge of God is the cross. That's why you read the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You read the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation, old and new. It is all revolving around the cross. The very first thing in the Garden of Eden was the tree of life. And the tree of life is the cross, Jesus of Nazareth. And the very last thing in the Bible is about the cross. Everything, the four Gospels, more than half of what is written in the Gospels, more than half combined, put the four Gospels together, more than half of what's written all revolves around Jesus' death. We preach Christ crucified, St. Paul says, because... This is my glory when I see Jesus on the cross. Because through his death, I was given the opportunity to gain eternal life. That's why this is my glory. Nothing else.
This is Christianity, my beloved. St. George walked through the narrow door, accepted the cross because he believed and he trusted in the one who died on the cross for the whole world, that it is only through this path that I will ever have the opportunity to enter eternal life. And I'll leave you with this. George Santayana, an American-born philosopher of the 19th century, died in 1953 in Rome, Italy. He was a philosopher. George Santayana. Search it on Google. He's got some beautiful sayings. He says, if you want to test a caliber of a religious, uh, social, economic, etc., etc., anything, if you want to test the caliber of this particular group or organization or whatever, ask this question. What is the question? What does it say about death? You want to test the caliber of this organization, of this religious order? Ask them, what do you say about death? You go and ask all the religions of the world, and you will hear some really interesting answers. Some will say, if you are good, you'll go into another karma, and then if you're not that good, you might come back and be a plant or a cockroach. And next time, I might step on you and I'll say, oops, I made a mistake. There is no answer in any religion with all due respect that can give me something that is a cure for death. Death is a great phenomenon of our existence. We die, but what's going to happen to me? No one gives you an answer that is fulfilling except Jesus. He says, when you come to me, you cannot die. You, you will never die. No one ever said that in the history of mankind. And no one can ever dare to say that because no one is God except Jesus. Because no one can die and rise on his own. Jesus did it to prove that I am greater than any obstacle that comes your way. In me there is no death. But you don't want to die? Come through the narrow door. Come through the cross. Carry it. This cross is narrow. You'll feel the pain. You'll feel the sorrows. You'll feel you're alone. But you're never alone because I'm always with you. But when you walk through that narrow door, rest assured, eternal life is ahead of you. And it's yours. Because I gave it to you. Amen. God bless you.